0: <laughs> Fresh is the
1: word. Welcome to the Fresh is the Word podcast. I'm your host, Kate Fresh. We're, we are at episode number 12 now, and things are really starting to sort of, you know, take shape. Uh, for this week's episode, we're going to be talking some music. We're going to be talking, more importantly, about some wrestling with hip hop artist, Open Mike Eagle. Uh, Recently, he put out an album with uh, fellow rapper Serengeti, under the name Kavanaugh, and the album's called Time and Materials. It was released on the Mellow Music Group label. Open Mike Eagle, he's originally from Chicago and has become one of the more buzzworthy hip-hop artists on the independent circuits. He also has his own podcast called Secret Skin. In interview, we talk about his music career, how he got started, how he met some of the people he collaborated with, but then we get into some wrestling. We talk WWE, talk some of the independent companies, and then we throw out some predictions for this Sunday's Royal Rumble. So let's, get to, let's start the show, and my talk with Open Mike Eagle. David Bowie? Yeah, man. Oh man. Bad, man, such a sad loss, man.
0: Yeah, dude. Legit musical hero of mine.
1: When did you uh when did you first, you know, come about, uh, David Bowie?
0: Um hmm. I feel like I got exposed to him when I was young, but it didn't really like hit me. But when I was like in college, um, one of the first CDs I bought when I had my first like off campus apartment was this um greatest hits bowie cd was like 1969 and 74 and then like that just opened up everything like i went back and got all of them albums and i kept getting the greatest hits albums and going back and getting all those records man i'm still i was just listening to bowie records from the 80s last week that i hadn't heard yet like i'm just always i always go back to him you know what i mean
1: right yeah he had so much you know music out there and it was like um, you know, we both grew up in the eighties and it's just like, there was no way of getting around it. You know, you always saw something that David Bowie did, you know, cause you're coming from everything from the seventies, but then he was still making stuff on a regular basis in the eighties. So you couldn't get around it. I mean, you were exposed to David Bowie.
0: Right. And I think like the eighties stuff, like growing up, it sounded so much like the times that I didn't really like, I don't know, something about it like went over my head. Right. Right. Back to the 60s stuff like you know that space out of the album like you know and all the stuff from that time hunky dory 70s stuff too like it's it's just it's really incredible music in all different styles man like from folk to metal to you know disco like it's crazy
1: soul like
0: just dope everything
1: right and it was like yeah like it was a thing where it's like when you're growing up, you really didn't get it until later on, you know? Mm-hmm. And you're like, you look back and you're like, oh, that was, you know, I remember this growing up, you know, this, this is dope, you know? And this is like something different. And it's crazy that it came from that, you know, time, that era, you know? Exactly. And it was, it was crazy about, you know, Bowie's music and there is that it just kind of, you know, transcended, you know, gender lines and race lines, you know. He was on fucking Soul Train and shit like that, you know?
0: Man.
1: Absolutely. Shit. So, you know, how how's things been with you, man?
0: Uh pretty good, man. I'm getting ready to go to I'll fly to Europe tomorrow evening. So I've been just getting ready for that.
1: How's the how's the show's been uh going lately?
0: Pretty good, man. I mean it's it's a little um a little tough during the holidays sometimes everybody ain't where they usually are but um but uh i mean yeah it's been great to do perform new music you know what i mean how
1: did how did this uh this new project that you do with serengeti kavanaugh come about
0: um you know me and him has been knowing each other for years and uh had always made songs we went to college together um you know and i've always been a huge fan of his and uh, we decided, you know, earlier this year we were going to make a project. So, you know, we made time to do it. He flew out here and um, and we just made it, you know what I mean? And we, um, we used my beats, which was something that I was a little nervous about at first. But, um, you know, it, it gave us a very specific kind of sound. Um, and I feel like the project, you know, we, we approached it in a very personal manner. Um, so I'm really proud of how it came out.
1: And you've been uh, putting out some projects with Mellow Music Group uh past couple years. years. Uh, how did you uh, first get linked up with them?
0: Uh, I started working with Hoslow, I think was the first cat I really worked with on Mellow. Uh, I knew about Odyssey and Apollo Brown and all that, but I didn't really like know him personally. Um, I started working with Hoslow and Hoslow really kind of um, opened my eyes about the label. And then um, I did a song with, um, I cannot remember the homie's name. But um my man LaRange was a producer there, I uh, did a song with Stick Figure and they put and um I did a guest verse on that album. Okay. And uh I got a little bit a little bit of a sense of how it was to work with them on a business tip. And um yeah, and I thought it was super cool. So then um we started talking about putting my records out and it's been going really good.
1: Yeah, like when you uh when you put out dark comedy, it seemed like uh it kind of propelled you more on the indie circuit a bit more, uh, with the media and the blogs and whatnot, you know, kind of, you know, when you dropped that album, kind of tell, you know, talk about the response you got from it. Uh, it it
0: was, it was good, man. Um, you know, just in terms of the songs themselves, I mean, people really uh, felt the vibe of where where I was coming from on that album in terms of trying to find ways to like deal with things through humor and then, you know, through my sense of humor and all of that. Um, you know, um, the sound I think in terms of quality, I hadn't put out an album that sounded that good yet. Um, just you know, a lot of the producers I work with were in peak form and then, um, you know, got it mixed and mastered really well. And and you know, having like Hannibal on the album was really helpful. Um, you know, it was just a lot of synergy that happened, and 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 so the album got in front of a lot of people. So, yeah, it was a good response, it did kind of like. Open some things up
1: for me. So, how'd you uh, link up with Hannibal?
0: Uh, he's another guy I went to college with, man. Me him man, get it. We
1: all went to school together. Oh, nice. How was, how was those times going to school together with those guys?
0: Uh, it was cool, man. I mean, we were all just you know figuring figuring shit out. You know what I mean? Um, we were all in school and and uh you know figuring out music, figuring out comedy, um, and having a really good time down there too. Um, there was a lot of People down there that are really open to like um new experiences. So we used to have these nights where it was like, you know, Hannibal had hosted and we'd all get up and rap or whatever at somebody's house. Like we <laughs> nice. used to you know what I mean? It was a it was a real creative community we had going down there.
1: What at, school uh, was it?
0: Southern Illinois University.
1: Okay. Great. And um uh, Wentz um uh, You have this, you know, the sort of thing that you coined art rap, you know. What exactly is that, and, you know, how do you kind of explain that to people?
0: Uh, When I first uh, started using it myself,
1: I was just thinking about,
0: I was taking a long drive to Vegas by myself, and I started thinking about how in the rock world, they have all these different designations. You know, you got your pop and your punk and your metal and your thrash and your prog and all of this oh yeah (laughs) you know when in rap we didn't have that so um i wanted to carve out something that was specifically for people who approached rap music the way that i felt like art rock music art rock musicians approached that music where like people expected a certain amount of whimsy a certain amount of like creativity um expected them to be progressive in that kind of way so um I wanted to start to lean into that term art rap. It's not like a perfect term, but, you know, I just think that that's where we're at right now. Like rap having been around for, you know, coming up on 40 years, um, you know, I think it's time that for for public consumption, we start trying to like designate that all rap isn't exactly the same. You know what I mean? So just because I think I feel like people get people have like just kind of one way that they want to look at rappers. And uh, I want to open that up some.
1: Right, because uh, being you know that you know hip hop has been around for so long, we're finally kind of getting into that maturation period, where there is sort of a like a a mature audience, a mature sort um um group of artists. You know, you have like people like Scarface who put out an album a few months back, which is one of his best in his career. You know, mm. and it used to be you know hip hop used to be something looked at as a young man's game but there's so many instances where that's just not true and that there is different facets of it now because it's, you know, progressed so much.
0: Yeah, man, absolutely. Uh, and, and that's the thing is giving it room to mature, you know, like that's, that's not really been, I, I don't know, for some reason just the genre feels like it's really capped by, by certain ideals. And I think they mostly just have to do with, with, you know, people's expectations. So, um I, I i have been interested in trying to open that up
1: when it comes to you know the songs that you write you know how much of that is like your personal experiences and then how much of that is just you know observations of other things
0: man most of them are a good mix of both um the ideas that I tend to have for songs come in some sense from my personal experience, but um that's where I start from, but I tend to add observational stuff from there or absurdist stuff or just I like to I like to stretch out a concept to like as far as it'll go uh in my head. I like to follow the train of thought to like where it ends. And sometimes it ends at a place that's kinda outside of my experience, but like I don't have like I don't have a problem like filling in the dots or trying to or you know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah.
1: How did you first get into uh just hip hop as a culture?
0: Um, I mean, I grew up in it. Uh, but I wasn't really like connected to it until like high school, when um, I read this book called the Suburbs*, and this book, uh, and it happened to like coincide right when I started really paying attention to people around me who were like breakdancing and doing graffiti and rapping. Right. And this book said if you wanted to call yourself hip hop, you had to participate. You couldn't just like be an observer. So um, it pushed me into rapping and graffiti and breakdancing, and. Um, really connected me to
1: hip-hop culture from there what was some of the first things that you did when you were like making those conscious decisions to kind of participate
0: uh i would rap man like that was the big thing was just rapping like that was the first big hurdle because like you know you can't just kind of start breakdancing. you have to really kind of (laughs) learn right um graffiti is like cool you can practice in a notebook or something but it takes uh, materials You got to buy stuff. You know what I mean? And DJing was just out of the question for me because I couldn't afford turntables, none of that shit. So, um, you know, I wanted to do that one too, but I couldn't. But rapping is just in your, you have it. It's just in your body. You're listening to the music. There's beats around you all the time. So it's like, you have to just decide to rap. And and me and my friends, like it was about four of us. We all just decided to rap and we were all horrible at first. Like you <laughs> pretend to be, but you know, that was the big decision was to like, okay, we're going to, Sit in the back of this KFC and we're gonna rap, you know what I mean? We're gonna do it, we're just gonna rap. And if we're just rapping by ourselves right now, cool, but we're gonna get confident enough that when we go to the spots of people that are rapping, we'll rap there. We're gonna work our way to that. We used to sit on the phone and just rap terribly, you know what I mean? <laughs> like hours, but we would do it, you know.
1: <laughs> who are you know, during that time, who are some of the you know, the rappers you kind of looked up to?
0: Uh, Common was a huge influence on me because he was from the South Side of Chicago, which is where I was, um, and there weren't, you know, there weren't really, there weren't really any national rappers, you know, doing doing the kind of hip hop that I enjoyed uh, at that time, except him. You know, you had like Twista, Do or Die, like uh, Crucial Conflict, you know, but that style wasn't a style that I was really appreciating at the time. But like Common, in terms of what ended up being. You know, known as like the backpack style, was what I was into at that time. Like he was that dude, you know, so him and then all the native tongues, cats and him being down with them was just huge. Like, you know, this dude grew up like down the street from me and uh, he's kicking it with like all these guys I grew up. I grew up listening to and um, and, and almost idolized. So, you know, him, the native tongues, De La So, you know, Tribe Called Quest, Busta Rhymes is really huge for me and Wu-Tang was really huge for me, too.
1: Do you remember the, you know, the, the first material that you ever recorded?
0: Uh yeah, yeah, the, I remember the first verse. I mean, I don't remember word for word, but I remember the first my first recording experience. I was uh I was in a Chicago crew called the Nacrobats, uh the big hip hop crew. All of us did all of the arts and um yeah, they they used to make tapes and uh one of the tapes they had they they wanted me on a song. Cause I was, you know, I was starting to get really known as like freestyler, like, kind of like, you know, known pretty well and like battling and, 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 um, you know, I was, I was getting some shine like that, but, um, that first recording experience was terrible. It was <laughs> absolutely horrible. I, I had no, you know, I, stuff I didn't know about like breath control, um, you know, writing for breath pauses for like, um, You know, even for proper pronunciation in a booth, like, and and just, you know, I was very uncomfortable and I really didn't know what I was doing. So uh, I'm not super proud. I mean, I I think I wrote pretty well, but the actual technical side of of rapping for recording, I had no handle on whatsoever at that point.
1: Right. You know, for the past, you know, five years or so, you have been, uh, you know, steadily putting out uh, projects. You know how do you um, how do you feel like you've uh, progressed from those first projects you put out?
0: Um, I just think you know, rapping is, is is very much a craft, and it's like you know they say you master something it takes ten thousand hours or whatever it's that kind of thing. And and uh, like at this point, I've written had to be one hundred and fifty songs or something like that. Um, you know, guest rapped on on you know, a bunch of people's stuff and just and and done hundreds of shows and. I feel like I just have a way better handle on what it means to rap now, to what it means to rap live, what it means to rap in a booth. Um, so I think just my, my comfort level and my mastery level of the craft has increased. And, um, and I feel like I know, uh, I know more now exactly how to like, how to put things, how I want to put them to, in terms of the writing. Like I know kind of how to find uh my way of addressing things.
1: Yes, see that you have your own uh, podcast called secret skin. What's that about?
0: I mostly talk to creatives. Um, I talk to a lot of rappers, producers, DJs, a couple authors. And, um, I try to like give them a chance to like kind of create their own narratives and talk about like what goes into their projects and what their, what their lives are like. Um, real kind of in-depth interviews with people who often don't get a chance to like, often don't get a chance to put their own story forward, you know? Right. Yeah.
1: When you're, you know, when you're going into a, a project oh. that you're working on, I'm, um, do you kind of have an idea of where you want to go with it, or is it just kind of like a little bit of a freeform thing and things just kind of, you know, come as they they come?
0: Um, I kind of take each piece of music that comes into my um, comes into my my sphere kind of individually, and um, so when I'm crafting music, like. I start making stuff, making stuff, making stuff and I start looking at what I have and then I start to notice what the defining features are and I tend to kind of pick a direction from there like kind of halfway into it if that makes sense.
1: Oh yeah, it does. <laughs> okay, yeah, I've um you know, I've heard you're a big wrestling fan. Are you uh are you uh are you just like a WWE guy or do you uh pay attention to the indies?
0: Um It's interesting. Like I, I I feel like I hear a lot about the indies. I like knowing what's up, but I don't take the time to watch a lot of them if that makes sense. Right. Um, I went to my first PWG show here in Southern California like a couple weeks ago. Yeah. Um you know, and that was incredible and I and I, I really enjoyed that and I and I would like to do more stuff like that. Uh, and I definitely felt like I was amongst my people. You know what I mean? <laughs> right. Um, so yeah, like that was super dope, and and like I guess it, I think what it comes down to too is the accessibility of the product. Like when Ring of Honor was on Destination America, I was watching it every week, and now it's not, and now I don't watch it anymore. You know what I mean? Like right. There's like there's like a I don't know how to put it, but there's like a there's like a barrier I have. I guess it's it's because the amount of time I have to consume things is is kind of limited. Um, I don't, um, I don't go past a certain point of effort to try to find indies to watch, but I listen to hella podcasts to talk about them. But I'm also like, if I'm going to be honest, I'm very much dialed into what's going on in WWE because, uh, to me, it's like the, how they go. So goes the industry, you know what I mean? Right. Um, and in that, you know, if you look at the roster right now, man, I, I was looking at the other day, man, like this IC title match on Smack on the first episode of Smackdown on USA. Yes. Main event is <laughs> Kevin Steen versus John Moxley.
1: <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> <laughs> it's
0: wild as hell. Like, and, and you look at who they're bringing in right now, um... You know, the Bullet Club, guys. I mean, if you look at, like, who all is getting a WWE paycheck right now, it's kind of crazy, man. Like, everybody from Sting to, and, and it's about to be Nakamura. You know yeah. what I mean? Like, like that span is crazy. You know what I mean? Um, so, I don't know. I think, I think they have such a huge influence on what goes on in the product. Um, I, I always say that. Like, I always watch Raw. Yeah. Three hours of raw every week I watch it. You know what Definitely. I mean? I, I, I'm i I listen to hella podcasts that analyze what's going on in WWE behind the scenes and on screen, you know, like it's a big um big part of how I spend my time.
1: Yeah, I feel like there is def there's a definite kind of resurgence when it comes to like the independence. Um, like what you witnessed at the PWG. Um that's something that's really exciting going on. Um with uh, what's going on with Ring of Honor, um, not really an independent, but you know you got the stuff that's going on with New Japan Pro Wrestling, mm-hmm. that's you know finding its way over here, and there's definitely this sort of like, there's an excitement. There's it, it's kind of kind of cool again. It's not at the heights it was during that you know late 90s. You know, Attitude Era, NWO, you know, Monday Night Wars thing, you know. But there's a definite, there's this resurgence that's actually really exciting. And what's going on with, you know, these, you know, these got the rumors coming in with these new guys coming into the, uh, um, to WWE, like, you know, AJ Styles and Nakamura, it's, it's building sort of like, the closest thing that we'll ever get back to the Territories sort of era of wrestling. Right.
0: right. I mean, you know, it's. I think it's really sad that, that they don't, run, that it doesn't seem that the WWE understands that they need a territory system. You know, like that to me is like the, one of the grand tragedies of where we're at right now is that if you look at, especially having a WWE network, and I look back at all these old, you know, all this old footage and you see how long it took guys to understand how to get the business. You know what I mean? I understand oh, yeah. how to get over you know, understand how to work crowds. And now it's like, they feel like they can just go get ex football players and train them for a few months to put them on TV. And it's like, damn, like they have to understand at some point that if you look at their huge, their huge boom in the eighties, all of those guys came from territories. Yeah. The attitude ever, like, you know, you look at Shawn Michaels, Steve Austin, even like Undertaker. All of these guys had cut their teeth in territories and in other companies before they were able to really get over big. Like Vince is a great like a great mind for how he was able to take these talents and put put them with the right gimmick and get them over. But they had to have that foundation, you know, and it doesn't seem like that's important to them now. I don't understand how.
1: I think, you know, they're. They're trying to get back with that, with having the NXT um, brand a part of the company to be able to kind of do that. Um, but, you know, with with it being sort of like, a, you know, just a totally different era where like, you know, kayfabe really isn't kayfabe anymore, very, very that, real, very that real. it's kind of hard to get back to that territory sort of era, but... The NXT thing is kind of, like, the closest thing that we can kind of get to that. Um, but still, when they bring these guys up to the main roster or bring somebody else in, like, I was just reading in this article, it's it's getting to the point where WWE is not treating anybody special anymore. Mm, interesting. You know how, like, when Undertaker came in, he was special?
0: You know, you know... um, the thing that's funny is that sometimes they do get it. Like, if you look
1: at how they brought Owens up. Owens they're doing a good job with. I well, feel you, like know, you
0: know, but this thing is they did a great job. Like, yeah. they they brought him in, put him over Cena, and he seemed like a legit – like, he seemed like he was a legit made guy, and they were interested in keeping him over. But then they started back with the 50-50 thing. Even, like, Bray Wyatt, like, they brought oh, yeah. him in so strong. And then they they – it's like they weren't interested in keeping his heat. Like, I don't know – like, I don't know what the philosophy is there, but they've been so bad about about keeping heat on guys. Like you can look back at like Ryback. Ryback had all sorts of heat for when he had the um the unbeaten streak. Yeah. You know, but then they turned him heel and jobbed him out to Cena and and you know, he tumbles back down the card. Like you can look at like Fandango. You know what I mean? <laughs> right. like, like all the heat in the world and they couldn't keep it going for like two
1: weeks, you know? Right. It's it gets to the point where, and it's just hard to grasp what their what their idea is behind doing that and making them go from being special to being just another wrestler. But I don't, you know, I'm not understanding why, you know, they don't keep up the things with like Bray Wyatt and Owens. Because Bray Wyatt could be like, you know, I'm not saying the next Undertaker, but that type of guy. Yeah, where. He's like a total, like, sort of other guy, that scary dude, you know?
0: Yeah, and I think, you know, they were trying to position that with that new face of fear thing. But um,
1: but he kept losing. They kept on making yeah, him lose after a while. Jobbed him
0: out. They jobbed him out <laughs> to the old face of fear, you know what I mean? Like,
1: you can't be the face of fear if you're losing all the time, you know? Exactly,
0: and, and, and it seems like such an obvious thing. But they don't they don't follow through with it. It's it's really interesting. Like I, I really would like to know what the philosophy is with the 50-50 booking because what it seems to me is to is to create an environment where nobody's over. You know what I mean? Like the fans feel like they can't get behind anybody because they want to see somebody win. You know, like that's always been how it's gone. So it's like how, you know, like I don't know how to expect to keep people dialed in if once a guy starts to get a little shine, you know, he gets jobbed out.
1: Right, it's it's something where they they don't want to, like, piss off anybody's fan base or anything, but it's just like, it shouldn't even be like that, you know? You should, like, if you're a wrestling fan, you should, to a certain extent, be pissed off at something.
0: Right. You, you gotta, they gotta <laughs> sacrifice somebody. They yeah. You have to sacrifice somebody. Like, you know, you build up mid Carter so that you can, you know, you you can use them to get guys over into the main event, you know what I mean? It's just kind of how it's always gone, like... You know, you got You got to have guys on the roster who are kind of strong so that they can help build guys up when you put when you put guys over, them. you know, it's always been how it goes. And then what happens usually what used to happen is those guys who help get people over after a while, they get repackaged and they get a chance to get over, them, you know.
1: Right. And it's just like I was just uh, reading this one article. It mentioned how, like, during uh, one of those recent uh, Raws, when. You know, Steph was, you know, uh, and Roman were in the ring and Roman was saying if he loses everything, he can't make any money and blah, blah, blah. Like, that's very unrealistic because, you know, a guy like that would be able to go somewhere else and at least make some money, good money somewhere, you know. And, And she was saying that, you know, he's not special in anything. You couldn't say that like in the Attitude Era, you know, like someone like Steve Austin would have been like, "Screw you, you know, <laughs> I am special." <laughs> yeah, I I c- am. you know, if I if I if I walk away now, I can go I can go do something else, you know, I'll be fine, you know, but it, it's it's a way of like, I don't know why they're not like making these guys special and and putting the company over all the talent.
0: Right. Yeah. I was listening to a podcast just yesterday, and they what they were saying was that reportedly, uh, around the time I guess this was two thousand like four or maybe three or something like that, um, we're in a very close uh, in a short time window. Uh, Austin retired. Rock left to go do movies more, um, and then Brock and Goldberg both left. And then, um, some like he. What he was saying was that he had heard that around that time Vince decided that he was going to change the business to where no person was bigger than the company, and they were going to put more focus on the company. But I mean, if that's the case, I mean, you got you have to look at that as having failed at this point because nobody's over, you know.
1: Right, and since then there's been times when the. The business itself, the fans put over guys, you know, yep. you have like CM Punk and uh, Daniel Bryan yep. guys where the fans were like, yo, we want, you know, we want these, th- we love these guys. As much as WWE didn't want to put them over as much as they, they, they were forced to.
0: Right. Yeah, absolutely.
1: Yeah. And it, and it's, you know, it's crazy. And, and I'm interested to see what's going to go on with you. Um, you got all these injuries uh, in the biz, in uh in the company, and then all the rumors of you know Nakamura and the Bullet Club guys that come over, and when, and just interested to see how this is going to happen, you know.
0: Right. Yeah. I, uh. You know, like I love Nakamura, and Nakamura's got all the charisma in the world. Um. I don't have a lot of faith that they're going to put him in a position to capitalize off of that. Um, I think he'll do great at NXT, but I think that's sad that he'll just be in NXT. You know what I mean? Um, you know, I think I think if you're a WWE and you're looking at what these guys are doing, you got to put them in a position where they can do what they're doing. Like AJ Styles is a badass right now. Yeah. Um, are you going to let him be a badass when you bring him in? Like, that's a big question. You know, like... Um, they seem to not really want high level baby faces to be badasses. Like they they just they're just starting to kind of turn the corner on Roman Reigns and give him a little edge. Right. You know, but for so long they wanted him to be like exactly like Cena. You know what I mean? And even even Cena, you know, Cena is well known, but it's not like he's setting the world on fire in terms of being over. He's still getting booed a lot, you know. And I think a big reason why is because in this era, like, you know, post-attitude era, like, we really don't want just a smiling good guy. You know, you want a guy with a little bit of edge, you know. And, um, you know, I, I, I want I to hope that they're going to bring these guys in and let them be edgy, you know.
1: Right. It's – yeah, with like – with like a AJ Styles or a Nakamura, it's almost like when they come – if they come to WWE they need to be like they chose to come here you know they they just want to be here to prove that they can you know you know kick some ass on the you know the biggest stage in the world you know not that you know they need WWE it needs to be the other way around where these guys are special and like why are they here you know like right. why why did they come here why are they here you know kind of like you know like, uh, back in the 90s when, you know, like, Holland Nash, you know, went to WCW. You had that whole mystery of, like, why are these guys here, you know?
0: Exactly.
1: These are the two biggest guys in the other company, you know? Why are they here, you know? So, hopefully, something like that can happen if they if they do, uh, you know, come to WWE. Yep.
0: That's, that's the hope. That's the hope, man. They do have – they have big holes to fill. But, um, you know – if you look at how they're, um, you know, how they're treating the main roster right now, I mean, I don't know. I'm, I'm worried. I'm worried that they won't let these guys do what they do, and they'll try to fit them into into what they think is is what they think should be happening right now.
1: Yeah, a lot, a lot of, a lot of these guys need to be, you know, let them be themselves a lot more. What I, you know, what I do like with Kevin Owens is that he really. Gets in his in ring persona, he keeps it like that all the time, you know. He's even on Twitter like that. Well, well, everybody, all, all the other wrestlers are just doing like, you know, sort of promotional tw- tweets or fun loving ones. He's on there like, like, you know, shooting on the fans and stuff like that, <laughs> or shooting on other wrestlers. And he's being Kevin Owens in the ring on Twitter, you know, and yeah. it's in it. And I, and I think it just propels his, his whole in ring character even more, you know.
0: You know what's interesting though, because I've heard some people complain about how what, about what he does because sometimes it's not very heelish because he's being so entertaining, you know.
1: That's the that's that kind of line. That's that kind of Steve Austin line that kind of got created, where where it's like there's such a heel that it's entertaining and funny that well, I, you're like that you're gonna you're gonna cheer him.
0: Right. But, you know, but that's the thing is they got to turn them face in or, or at least start, you know, putting him in that direction. It doesn't seem like they're doing that right now. It seems like they're pretty solidly behind keeping him healed for a while. So it is sometimes I, I do I do look at his work and how he'll like stop and yell at Michael Cole. And that's I think that's super great. But I'm wondering is is that like that that kind of that kind of heat? Uh, it's hard to stay here with that kind of heat and if you're working a heal program I wonder if that's you know what you should be doing you know
1: like right now with Owens it looks like they're they're kind of even trying to progress his healness even more to be that kind of like sort of psychotic heal you know yeah, yeah, I do like the I like the dangerous uh aspect I really do like the dangerous aspect a lot you are just kind of putting people through tables but then just sitting over them just kind of like taking it all in, you know yeah, that old that old uh, that old bubble Ray Dudley look. <laughs> <laughs> how do you uh, how do you like the whole you know tag team aspects going on in the WWE? WD- I mean, you know, I
0: love the new day, uh, but you know, it, it does seem to be a problem that they're head and shoulders above everybody else. Like nobody, it doesn't look like anybody's even close to being as as over as them. So it's hard to figure out who's gonna really challenge them in a legit way where you know, where they won't be overshadowed. Um I do like that they're trying to work with um the Lucha Dragons, but I think I mean Sankara's is just, ah I, I, like all of the blown spots and injuries, like it's yeah. just tough that um like Kalisto is so good, but I am wondering if, if if they're gonna be able to get over his tag team when Sankara um you know has has his issues in the ring. Um I don't. I'm. I'm really. I don't. I'm not feeling the Usos right now. Like they're great workers. I know that. But like, you know, I think they're another team where you need. To, where we need to be able to see their personalities a little bit more. Yeah. And not just like the the high flying smiling guys. Um. And then I mean the Dudleys. Uh, I don't. You know what? I like. The, I like the idea of the Dudleys being there more than I like their actual matches. If that makes sense. I, I love the 3D. Um. I hate the what's up spot right now. I feel like that's that's like kind of too played out and it kind of takes me out of the match. Very, very. Uh, <laughs> you know, and then like, you ever seen that Devon spot? And I think maybe they stopped doing it cuz I haven't seen it in a while, but that um that neck breaker he does off of the out of the corner.
1: I think so.
0: Yeah. Like, it always is is awkward setup where the guy ends up having to be leaning backwards on the second turnbuckle and he like Grabs their neck and kind of jumps out. Like I hate that spot. It looks so unnecessarily dangerous and weird to set up. You know, right? Stuff like that. Like you know, I I, I enjoy them being there because it's good to have some vets around. But um, I, I I think their matchwork probably should be updated a little bit. Um, and who else have you even gotten in tag teams right now?
1: Um, there really isn't. Because everybody else has kind of gone away a little bit. That was primetime players kind of haven't really been around. Yeah, and I
0: think um not Titus. What's the other guy's name?
1: Uh, what is his name? I forgot it too. But he, I yeah. think he's hurt actually. Yeah, he probably is. Cause they they just kind of like they were the you know tag champs, and then they lost, and then they kind of just went away.
0: Yeah. Yeah, you know, I think it's all—it's all basically trying to get Titus over, you know, but
1: um, but
0: yeah, I don't—I'm not really super feeling them either.
1: We're like when when they first brought out the whole New Day thing. Were you down with it at first, or oh
0: God, just... no, I was—I was—I was very worried about it because <laughs> I mean, because you know, when they first started and they were baby faces and they were trying to do like the motivational thing, like yeah, I just like if. And I'm pretty sure at the time that that was legitimately what they were trying to do was make that a babyface thing. But I, I, I saw that coming a mile away that that would never work. Never work now. You know what I mean? Like that kind of black church thing, that's not going to work the WWE. There's never, you know, like it's right. too, you know, it's too smiling. It's, it's, you know, it's, it's not, it's not what people are going to get into, you know? So, um, so I love, I love the turn. I love the turn. I love that they're able to kind of go out there and do their own thing on the mic. I think that's huge. They're able to kind of get over that way, you know?
1: Yeah, that was kind of like a thing that was like – it was like a low-risk thing. Uh, Because at the time, it was just like none of those guys were kind of, you know, getting any sort of reaction in the crowd from what they were doing previously. Then they tried this, this positive New Day thing. Then it got to the point and that wasn't working. Everybody hated it. It was just pretty much like, you know, go and do whatever. You know what? You know how? What can you lose at this point? You know, and it got over. Yeah, it worked out. And they're they're one of the most entertaining things on the show, if not the entertain most entertaining thing on the show these days. You know.
0: Yep, definitely.
1: And when he brought out the trombone, man. Oh man, oh, I, love, I love, I love, I love the unicorn
0: stomp spot.
1: <laughs> Oh, yeah, it was just... It gets to the point every week I'm like, my my ribs hurt, you know, from laughing so <laughs> hard, man. <laughs> so, I'm, it's, but at the same time, is like, they also do good matches, you know? Yeah, they're great workers, man. They're great workers. And Kofi's been, you know, a long time been a really good worker, you know? Yeah, it's great that he's gotten himself in a position to get over like that, you know? Yeah, and same thing with Big E, it was just... He, you know at first when he came into the company he was just like the quiet kind of muscle you know but and that didn't really work you know so it's you know it's good that these guys were able to find you know find a spot and it's working so great yep i i, I concur do you ever do you ever um watch any of the new japan pro wrestling stuff
0: i haven't i haven't seen any of it actually um while Russell Kingdom was on, I looked into a second for
1: trying to order it, but then I gave up. Yeah, Russell Kingdom was really it was really good. Like that's their WrestleMania, basically, each year. And they they have a lot even like all of their matches are really good, but you know, it's more of a I guess more of a strong style sort of you know, work in the ring where you know it's just more it's not more it's just more like you 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 look at it and like that head hurt you know that type of shit you know leaning into it like kicks and stuff like that but they you know they're 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 adopting more american style kind of ideals into the matches now where you know the matches might not be as long as they used to they used to have like 45-minute-hour matches and stuff like that, you know? That's
0: crazy.
1: So now they're kind of, you know, and they're bringing in more of, like, the sort of heel idea, ideals from America into it. They have more, like, they, they've they had more, like, like, foreign talent than ever the past few years, you know? Like, everybody that's in the Bullet Club, you know, right. except for one guy, you know, weren't weren't Japanese, you know?
0: Who's was the Japanese guy in Bullet Club? I mean, because I'm, I'm I'm legit asking because I don't
1: know. Uh, his name is, uh, um, uh, Ujure, uh, Ujure, uh, Ujure, uh Ujure, I can't even say his name. Fucking Ujirou Tan- Tanahashi. Oh, Tanahashi. He was in Bullet Club? No, there's two Tanahashis.
0: Oh, okay. okay. <laughs> the
1: the the other Tanahashi, he like um, he just fought Okada for the belt. But to maintain the belt cuz uh Tanahashi won the G1 climax right the G1 climax is uh in the end is like the is a big like round robin tournament over like 29 days right. but yes.
0: um i remember seeing the uh results pop
1: up and stuff but like what you win out of it is basically the like the money in the bank briefcase right basically yeah but the the cool thing is about that is that briefcase, he has to defend the briefcase until January fourth.
0: Oh, that's tight! So somebody else can win it.
1: Yeah, so basically somebody else could win it. I don't know if anybody else ever has, but I think that would be a cool thing to do with the money in the bank briefcase. Right. Until you actually cash it in, you should have to defend it also. Wow, yeah, that
0: would be that would make it a lot better.
1: Yeah, I usually I usually, that's I usually get really annoyed by the money in the case thing because. Every week, you just hear, here's the money in the briefcase winner, Seamus. <laughs> over and over again, and you're just like, bro, can we just... I'm sick of hearing that, you know? Yeah. Like, it would be cooler if you had to, like, defend it, too.
0: Yeah, w- we we'll would put an interesting wrinkle in it. Right now, it is getting a little... You know, it's getting a little too predictable.
1: So, yeah, so coming up on Royal um, Royal Rumble... the. Uh, this year, you know, they have uh, Roman Reigns going to have to defend his belt in the Royal Rumble.
0: Yeah, um, which I also think is an interesting wrinkle. I think it's going to. I think the belt's going to come off of him somehow, and I think it's a good way to do that without uh, without having him be pinned. You know, especially just another way to screw him. Um, yeah. In an interesting way, I think it makes the Rumble a lot more interesting.
1: Yeah, I think last year the Rumble was so boring. Yeah. And I'm like, oh, like, I think these days, though, with the way the kind of action in the match is a bit faster than back in the day, I think they should, like, it shouldn't be every two minutes that a new wrestler comes in, maybe every minute. Mm. Yeah, I could, I could see it moving along a little faster. Because that, that was the problem with last year. They kept on just throwing people out of the ring, man. And it was always somebody just standing in there, waiting for the next wrestler to come in. So, who do you, uh, so, um, do you, see, yeah, do you see, uh, Roman Reigns keeping it or do you think he might get,
0: get screwed? I think he's going to get screwed I, and I hope he gets screwed. I mean, I hope that they don't, you know, like that would be ultimately a huge ass waste of time if the entire Royal Rumble is, is set up that the winner wins the belt and the belt doesn't change hands. I think that's like, I think it's a royal waste of time. Um, they could have just, if that were, if that was going to be the case, they could have just put him in a match and had him go over somebody and then, you know, build somebody up in the Rumble so the Rumble would remain interesting, you know? Right.
1: Any ideas about, you know, matches for uh, WrestleMania? Um,
0: I mean, man, the, the you know, with all these injuries, it's really hard to say. Um, Brock is going to be there. But I don't think he'll be wrestling. Brock has to go up against somebody, but I can't think of who. I mean... I don't know who they build up for Brock at this point. Um, Taker's around. I don't know who you put Taker with. Uh, there's so many questions right now. I think it was supposed to be Taker Cena.
1: Yeah, uh, that was yeah, that was the rumors that it could be. Yes, yeah, yeah, I don't. Cena, you know, boy. I have no idea really what they do. I mean, it does look like it's going to be
0: Roman Triple H, which is you know I, I could deal with that. You right. know, um, but yeah, just so many questions, man. I have no idea what they're going to do, and hopefully they can work in some of these new guys or some of the NXT guys and. You know, really kind of make it interesting because right now it's just so many question marks. I have no idea.
1: <laughs> Who do you like in uh, NXT these days?
0: Um, I like uh Gable and uh, Jordan. Um Yeah, yeah. I, I I love um, um, you know, Enzo and Cass. Like that entrance, man. i, I just oh, they... I, I, You know, there to me, there's such a lack of like those old school like get yourself over entrances. Right. Um, I just love to see stuff like that. Even in Finn's entrance, with the with the hand, with the arms out, and all that. Like I, I really enjoy. Um, I think it's, it's for so long. There's been this lack of things that you can count on as a fan, you know. And I think that's a big part of what makes wrestling fun. Is that you know, there's catchphrases or there's. You know, there's things you can do to be involved. You know, like you like you know to bring up Fandango again. That dance, half of it was about people wanting to have something to do. You know, like when you give people um, a chance to be involved and they don't hijack the show as much. You know, like I, I really think that that's that's an important thing. So I really like Enzo and Cass a bunch, and of course the women down there killing. Bailey is amazing. Yeah, Oscar um, is crazy great. Oh um, yeah, I love Asuka. Yeah, man. Um, you know. And Samoa Joe is one of my all-time favorites. It's, they, got, they, they got so much good stuff going on down there right now.
1: Yeah, I always, I always fear, though, that Asuka might actually hurt somebody down there. Cause
0: yeah, I, I hear you,
1: man. <laughs> Some of her kicks and stuff be, like, going hard, man. I'm like, oh, man, she's going to hurt somebody down there. I hear you. Yeah, and I love Enzo and Cass. It was like I remember when I first saw them, I'm like, man, who are these jerk-offs? But then by <laughs> the end of the match, I was like, these guys are awesome. Yeah, man, they're great. Plus they're good workers and they just like they had they have these catchphrases, they have this energy and it just it's it's just awesome you know.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, and I love and I love Finn Balor's like entrance. It's it's fantastic. Like he he when he was in New Japan as Prince Devitt, like towards the end he was kind of doing like a similar entrance like that.
0: That's dope.
1: Like. There's one time um, when he was defending his belt, like it, it might have been at like one of like the it was one it was at one of New Japan's big events like Russell Kingdom or something like that. They actually brought him out in a uh, in a coffin, and then propped the coffin up at the uh, top of the entranceway, and then he came out all dressed up in like the demon you know paint that he has now uh, as Finn Balor. I'm like, holy shit, this is like one of the coolest entrances ever, man.
0: I love the demon stuff a lot.
1: Yeah, I hope I hope like he's somebody that I don't want them I don't want him rushed to the main roster. I want but I hope he is able to get a great push on the main roster eventually.
0: Yeah, I agree. I, you know, I just um I always have a thing on my head about about how Vince Really doesn't like small guys. I mean, you know, I think if you look at what's going on with Neville right now, it's really hard to be excited about Finn. It's really hard to be to think that they're going to actually give him a shot to really get over if they're not giving Neville one. You know?
1: Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. It's, yeah. That's 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 something I'm always scared about. I'm like, dude, Finn Balor so. So good, but it's just like are they gonna is he gonna get over with the crowd? Is they gonna give him the the opportunity to right. you know do what he does, you know? So we'll see. Yep, that's all we can do. Right. So uh so you um so you're about to go back to uh Europe uh, on a tour?
0: Yep, leave tomorrow night. Awesome, awesome.
1: Yeah, that's about it for the interview, man. So like yeah, take in, you know, uh have a good time on your tour, man. Thanks for Appreciate you know it, talking talking music and wrestling with me.
0: Two of my favorite things, man.
1: <laughs> Hell yeah, man. Yeah, let's keep in touch, man.
0: For sure.
1: All right, man. You have a All good bro. day. You too, take care. All right, peace. So that was my talk with Open Mike Eagle. It was really cool to talk with him. We're gonna have a lot more episodes where I'm gonna be talking wrestling with people that are just fans of wrestling that are just like maybe hip-hop artists or whatnot and we're just gonna shoot the shit about the wrestling industry, throw out our predictions, fantasy book. It's gonna be really fun. Uh, so I was glad to have you know Open Mike Eagle come on and you know kind of shoot the shit about wrestling. And also coming up this Saturday is my birthday January 23rd and if you're in the Detroit area I will be celebrating it at Goodnight Gracie in Royal Oak. I'm going to be spinning vinyl with my homeboy Joshua Adams. Uh, All vinyl, all night, old school funk, soul, R&B, hip-hop. I'm going to be drinking some drinks, shooting some shots. It's going to be a blast. No cover, no dress code, no problems. Come chill, come party, come dance. Oh, hell yeah. If you'd like to uh, support the Fresh as the Word podcast, you can go to our website, which is freshesthepodcast.com and there's a link at the top that says support the podcast and on that page there is a paypal link that you can donate to or there is a amazon link on there that you can use anytime that you want to purchase anything on amazon use that link and after you make your purchases amazon will shoot some commission back to me i'll just go to help the show also i definitely appreciate all the lessons and if you Definitely want to share the links to the website, freshisthepodcast.com, or any of the links on SoundCloud, that's definitely appreciated and will definitely help support the podcast. You can also reach Fresh is the Word on the social medias at Instagram and Twitter at Fresh is the Word One. That's Fresh is the Word number one. And on Facebook, you can go to Facebook.com slash. Fresh is the Podcast and give us a like on that page. We're also on iTunes and Stitcher Radio, so go ahead and search Fresh is the Word on there, and go ahead and subscribe to us. And it also would be very helpful if you go onto iTunes and give us a five-star rating and throw some comments on there. Thanks for listening, see you soon. Fresh is the Word.